Hi there, welcome to Rock Roll Yourself podcast. My name's Joanne, I'm going to be joined by Ross and we're going to be talking about the albums that came out in July. We can do things for like a couple of weeks until everything will probably shut down again. So yeah, yeah. Us- usually I do all my notes for reviews at the weekend, but like I, the last three weekends in a row, I've just been like out every night just drinking, so I've not really had the chance as much. <laughs> Drink the pain away. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, that kind of leads nicely into the first album that's going to be a lot about drinking. I should have said at the start, we're going to do one album each that's going to be from earlier in the year, just because there's really not that many albums coming out in July. I mean, it's kind of usually like that anyway, but see, because there's no festivals or anything, it's really noticeable. So uh, I've picked one and obviously Ross has picked one. And this is mine from way back in January. It's from this band called June Rats, as in D-U-N-E, not J-U-N-E. This came out in the, like I say, at the end of January, and it's from the Australian group. I would say they're a punk band, but they're a pub rock band, which is its own thing in Australia. It came to my attention because I really liked the Violent Soho album that was out last year, and there's like a massive punk scene in Australia that's just like party vibes, <laughs> and just mm-hmm. totally Australian. Um, this band is, if you don't like Australian accents, then you're probably not <laughs> going to dig this because <laughs> it's very very Australian. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, you know, because I'd obviously sent it to Ross when we were doing this and... Yeah, I mean, uh, I've only had a chance to like listen to it once and like, yeah. I think with the, like, with the sort of intro thing, you know, the whole phone call oh, yeah, thing, yeah, I, th- yeah. I thought it was going to be like a sort of total comedy album. Even looking <laughs> at like, the cover and some of like the tracks that are on there, just like, yeah, uh, like if my bone could talk and stuff like that. Um, yeah. It's surprisingly not too community, but it's got like a good sense of humour about it and it's oh, easy yeah. listening. It's like the total Australian way of just not taking yourself seriously at all. Like, but with the ramped up to like a hundred, like th- these guys know how to party. Like <laughs> I've uh, looked up some like live footage because obviously we've not had the chance to see them and probably won't for the next while. But they look absolutely mental live. Like they're just they have like they play like I think they're quite big in Australia now. So they play like main stages on festivals and they have like you know like appear uh, t-shirt cannons and things like that. They're just they're wild. Mm. But yeah, um, so their kind of sound is like pop punk I guess mm. um, but like a really snotty version of it it's not like your super polished pop punk uh, it's like like I say they're party animals and their music kind of <laughs> replicates that it's like some 41 kind of like but Australian version of some 41 that are kind of they don't take themselves seriously but it's yeah. totally infectious stuff like you say the spoken intro at the start kind of indicates what the album's going to be so you've got some guy called Bobby D saying how he, like, basically just wants to just, like, party, basically, like, and then that kind of followed up with the song, Bobby D, obviously about him, that kind of sounds like, do you remember that song from the band Lit? As of the... I can't remember, I can't remember oh. what, what I it's called, but the... The one with the bowling alley? Yeah, yeah something um, enemy, yeah. My worst enemy or something, my, my one enemy or whatever. It sounds like that. Like, the chord, the guitars sound like that. Once oh, I got... that was it, yeah. yeah. I remember thinking that, actually, but for some reason my head went to L7, so I think I was just mixing up my band. <laughs> yeah, pretty similar. It's just the, like, do-do, basically. <laughs> but yeah, it's, like, a pure massive chorus. Like, if you're about to play that at a festival, then it's going to go off. I kind of... Envy that knows me knows that I don't drink, right? But see if this song, this song just makes you want to like smash cans on your head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like Airborne do. Like, it's, again, it's an Australian thing, clearly. But, uh, 
like they've got other kind of like you know energetic songs you've got crazy which is kind of grungy which is obviously my cup of tea uh got bad habits and i think i've got another few written down here uh stupid is as stupid does and obviously the one you said if mm. i bob talk which <laughs> those have massive choruses that you're just never going to get out of your head for at least a few weeks like when i listen to this properly I, there's a few songs on here that just don't leave my head uh <laughs> yeah um apparently this this is obviously their third album and they've kind of went a bit more polished like i've listened to the last like a bits of the last two and they were kind of more raw kind of more punky but this one's a wee bit less raucous there's a few songs on it that are gentler like a bit looser they've got mm-hmm. their, the producer that they did they had for this album was actually from violent soho so this is after that kind of influences went into songs like rubber arm uh no plan rock bottom also mm-hmm. patience and the skids which are kind of like almost acoustic songs they're still yeah. fun but they're kind of more like low low tempo like actually kind of like maybe com- contemplating how the party lifestyle could have like downsides to it but yeah. they're still like yeah sure whatever like they, they still don't care it's pretty it's still pretty careless but i can see that probably in australia probably in the scene that they're from you did maybe get some oh you've sold out or whatever like you're not as wild as you used to be but still good to me like overall i really like this album like it's a lot of fun and it's kind of like kind of missing at the moment it's just a fun album you can just stick on and not really think about too much that's what i was saying yeah kind of pop punk but not just the bad parts of the pop punk where it's just like oh this is so sweet and sugary and horrible but in saying that the song stupid is as stupid does does kind of border on that they've got mm. a vocalist on it a guest vocalist called Kay flay i don't know who this person is right but i looked <laughs> her up and she's apparently like a like a rapper and <laughs> now she kind of does like pop punk type stuff i don't know but she her voice comes in on it and it just why <laughs> why is she here it just makes it sound weird like it's very very like sweet mm. it just doesn't go with what their kind of thing it is i don't know yeah. It's like, early, it's like early 2000s pop punk. Yeah, very much that. Like Paramore, but even like more sugary. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I thought that I thought that died out. But yeah, like it's an odd one. I don't know. Like they just phoned her up from the other side of the world and went, "Oh, you're going to be on our song," and she went, "Yeah, sure." Just odd. But yeah, <laughs> as long as they don't have any like loads of songs that are like that on the next album, I'm not too worried. But it just kind of maybe indicates that that might happen. I hope mm-hmm. not. But yeah, like as we were saying earlier, you've got you know they've got very much influenced by ACDC, mm-hmm. and you see that in the last song, which is called "Mountains yeah. Come and Go," but Aussie pub rock live lives on brackets forever which is basically just that it's just them singing that and then with a bit of thundershock playing because of, of course it is yeah <laughs> exactly honestly one of the most fun albums i've heard in ages like i can just stick this on whenever and kind of just forget that yeah you know the world is just terrible <laughs> <laughs> although i think i think in that like you said this was released in january didn't you yeah yeah so, so wouldn't that have been at like the same time as like the australian bushfire thing was happening so that's a bit of a weird kind of contrast <laughs> yeah i think it would have been just after it's a summer album though so i suppose they yeah. released it in their summer which makes sense but releasing it in january over here is a bit odd because it's <laughs> just it does seem designed for like to be released now so i suppose it's appropriate to be covering it now June Rats and Hurry Up and Wait, which I've been really enjoying. And then we're going to Traveller, which is from earlier this year as well. Yeah. Second album from the Canadian heavy metal band. Uh, I would definitely say they're heavy metal band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which obviously follows on from Starbreaker, I believe it is, that you wrote about mm. last year, I think. I don't did think you? I did. 
I don't even know if I've actually listened to that album, to be honest. <laughs> oh, I think I'm getting a mixed up I with think... Was It Haunt? The other oh, band. It Was It Haunt, yeah. I think that yeah. was back in January, actually. Yeah, I think, to me, I, I mixed those up in my head, because uh, <laughs> I think I, I listened back to the first, a bit of the first Traveller album, and I just thought it was The Haunt one for some reason. But yeah, I could see why you wanted to cover this one, because <laughs> it's totally, it's total Iron Maiden worship, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, de- I'm determined to go through like one of these reviews, or like just like a month of reviewing without mentioning Maiden at least once, but it never seems to actually happen. I have to, I have to mention them at least once, I don't know why. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, this band is, it would be very difficult for you not to mention Iron Maiden. Yeah, because I, I think I even said to you, like the first time I listened to it back in April, it's essentially what I would want, like the 90, early 90s Maiden to sound like, because yeah. obviously with like No Prayer for the Dying, they wanted to go back to the kind of raw, sort of edgy, punky sound, and it yeah. didn't work out well, because it got like a lot of cheesiness. But if yeah. they did it like this, it would have been amazing, I think. I would just be controversial and say that I think that um, is a No Prayer for the Dying is actually probably within my top four Iron Maiden albums, which makes you really? like, oh, yeah, I told you that before. What the hell? <laughs> Because I like, like cheese. I like cheese. It's like four good tracks. <laughs> it's all fun. I like oh, fun. Teaches on, teaches on. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> But yeah, so they are pretty much a heavy metal band. Um, like you said, influenced by like the sort of maiden era, like the new wave of British heavy metal. Yeah. Um, there's some thrash influence kind of strewn about as well. Yeah, I was uh, going to say, sorry, like the bits that I heard of them, like I didn't listen to it all, but I listened to like a couple of songs. It's like a bit of Judas Priest and the kind of yeah, vocal definitely. delivery, like kind of more gritty than like uh, Bruce Dickinson. Yeah, the vocal delivery, yeah, it's got like that great thing. I think Bruce was actually trying to do the same thing at the time in the 90s and obviously oh, yeah, didn't yeah, yeah. really work out. Um, yeah. but. Yeah, but the vocalist, I don't know if I'm going to say his name right, but Jean-Pierre Aboud, because <laughs> they're obviously French-Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he can sort of do the sort of lower sort of growls, and he can also go do that sort of air raid siren whenever he needs to as well, and yeah. he kind of uses it sparingly, so it always sounds pretty good. Um, Even like the first track, the first track's probably, might be the best track on the album, it's Shaded Mirror, and yeah. it's it's basically, it lets you know right away it's going to sound like Iron Maiden, because it almost sounds exactly like Be Quick or Be Dead from Feet of the Dark, because yeah. it's just got that sort of fast riff, and the drums just going crazy, and that may raid siren straight away and it's like oh yeah this is definitely sounding like Maiden yeah, a um, lot of like galloping uh, yes. lead guitar and bass <laughs> yeah. just it's like oh yeah we like Maiden just a little bit the guitar solos as well though the guitar solos and this are just amazing love them on this like, there's so many that, there's a few different tracks but a few of them just are like you know that when a guitar solo just hits you and you just have to kind of like sit there and appreciate it for like a little bit yeah yeah I think I listened to maybe the first two songs on the album or three but I've like listened to bits and pieces of it like this is not really my cup of tea like I don't really like I like Maiden but I, I don't mm. I'm not as big a fan as you are so like this yeah. isn't so much for me but I could see that comparing this to the previous album it's like the production is really good on this album yeah it's like it's trying to sound classic without going a bit too far like, I kind of get what you mean by Haunt now I mean I still like Haunt but yeah. I can see how you may think the production would go down a little bit just because they're trying to sound a bit too classic but here it sounds modern well also so, so I've been influenced by that classic style yeah because like the first album that I went back to with us uh, just to compare it was like very see like when they do like a kind of they have like a lo-fi like they're trying to like do the 80s sound but it just sounds mm. like it's been recorded in a garage or something yeah um, <laughs> even like in the 80s Maiden were massive so trying to do that on a kind of 80s sounding album makes no sense to me so like them stepping it up for this one just you know it makes the yeah. song sound bigger because that's probably, the public can afford it more now, but it's quite impressive that they went from just releasing an album last year mm. to stepping it up like that much this time around. Yeah, it's like they know what, what sound they're going for and they're going to go for it, so 
yeah. two albums and that's pretty good. Did you um, ever listen to the first one? I think I might have when the album first came out. I don't remember yeah. like enjoying it as much as this, so I must have just yeah. kind of thrown it to the side a little bit. But I probably should have listened to it before I did this, but I was too yeah. busy just trying to get, get the nose. But, yeah, um, I would assume yeah. it's probably a step up if you if you really liked this one, but you weren't so keen on the first one. Yeah, just like the band just trying to find their sound, essentially. Yeah, what's um, the best parts of the album for you? For most of it, to be honest, I mean, yeah. there's like, there's like not a bad album, uh, not a bad album. There's not a bad song on here. Um, they've even got one like it's got to be some sort of like a shout. Out. It's just called Diary of a Maiden. Like surely that's got to be like aimed towards Maiden. Sure. And the fact, and like most of the, <laughs> the, it's like a six minute track, but it's got like so many like different tempo changes. There's like a like a sort of melodic section that actually sounds like Remember Tomorrow by Maiden or Strange World. Um, it's got the big giant maiden gallop towards the end as well. Massive solos. Um, the intro sounds like it's from somewhere in time. It's just, it essentially sounds like a love letter to Iron Maiden, which has been an amazing song as well. Yeah. Um, Do you think there's any other influences other than like Iron Maiden and Judas Priest that you can hear on it? Just if, you know, MD's listening, that's like, I'm not really keen on Iron Maiden. Is there anything else on it? I mean, most of it does go there. The, the only track that really sort of veers sort of differently is a track called Deep Space. It's yeah. the, sort of the second last track on the album, but it does kind of come out of nowhere because it goes like almost just full sort of speed thrash metal throughout the whole yeah. thing. And it's just more of a like sort of motorhead influence or early Metallica. So that's probably the one that might turn a few heads. Basically with this album, if you like Iron Maiden, you'll probably <laughs> really like this. If not, I mean, you could give it a listen, but like... It's to go. They don't do anything diff- like that's going like, to reinvent the wheel. It's kind of like yeah. Power Trip. Like, they're not really doing anything new, but what they're doing just sounds great. Yeah. I mean, Power Trip's better, obviously. Travel on it, we're listening. I don't want them to be angry at me. <laughs> Different kind, it's fine. <laughs> but yeah, like, um, even, like I say, I'm not so much into, like, this kind of modern take on, like, heavy metal, basically, but they do seem mm. like one of the better bands of that type of music. Yeah, they know what, they're just kind of doing their own thing and making their own sound, so. Yeah. But yeah, so if you like Iron Maiden, I would check this out. The next one, if you don't like Iron Maiden, you'll maybe get on with this one a bit better. It's one that we both listen to, and I'm pretty sure we both like, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, it's the uh, first album, I keep forgetting it's the first album from uh, Foxjaw. Royal Swan, obviously the th- third album, but they've had like a ton of singles and EPs in the last three to four years so it's quite weird that this is only the first album considering they've had they put so much music out already but i've not listened to them until now i've heard of them for a long time but I've, it's only been when this album came out that i actually gave them a listen and i'm pretty glad that i did to be honest it's a it's a pretty um crazy album <laughs> really um where do we even start with this the first song is called charging pale horses and I mean, that's, it's just an intro track, basically, but mm-hmm. it's already very, like, so dramatic. It's got, like, these, like, chorus, like, choral singing and bells that just kind of build and build and build. And then you've got trophies in the attic, which, like, um, just instantly like it because it sounds like early Biffy Fyro, which <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, like, that's what I've, I've, um, been missing from Biffy Fyro a little bit. Comes in sounding like, Infinity, like land, and it's mathy guitar and jagged screaming dense guitars. It's just like wild sounding. Like you just you don't really expect it because of how kind of subtly the the last track is, and then that just comes in like pure like <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like old rock trying to go for like a sort of black metal edge almost. <laughs> yeah, it's um like when I got described this band to me, it was they kind of described themselves as a grunge band, but honestly, I can't hear it like pretty much all of this album it's way more 
uh, kind of interesting and unique than just like oh we're just an alt rock like grunge band because mm. like, I mean you, you do Biffy Clyro is probably one of the main influences on this album but there is so much different influences that it's, it's almost hard to even pin them down you've got Triple AAA which is one of the singles kind of sounds like again Biffy Clyro but this time kind of puzzle era Biffy um, mm. with kind of mixed with Queens of the Stone Age, like that kind of deserty kind of ooh kind of thing that like uh, Josh Homme does. That's I, good. <laughs> I, I, I think there was one track on here. I'm, it's, again, this is only one that I yeah. listened to once, but I did like it. There was one track on here. I can't remember which one it is. It might be Infinite Badness, but it made yeah. it really reminded me of Folding Stars by Buffy. I don't I can't remember which song it was, but I'm sure there's one that kind of starts off like that. It just yeah. really reminded me of it. Like it could literally be any of these. <laughs> you could pretty much listen to any song and take a different influence from, just depending on what your taste in rock music is. Like Half House, I think that's the one after Triple AA. A, which is like again mm. that kind of Queens of the Stone Age type thing, but it's like a big single. It's like I think it's probably the most accessible moment on the album, but it's going to be mm. huge when they play it live. But then, like immediately after that, you get the song called "You Can't Drink a Unicorn's Blood," which I think is I think they're very like animal welfare type of thing, like that they're very much on that kind of thing. But I thought that was a Harry Potter reference, I wouldn't lie. <laughs> I mean, it could be, like, it uh, <laughs> wouldn't surprise me how mental this band is, but, like, it sounds like, like, somebody pointed it out, and I went, like, I hadn't even thought of that before, but it sounds, the vocals on it sound like, you know how Darren from System of Down, mm-hmm. the kind of, like, his yeah. voice, it sounds like that. And you're like, right, so you went from Biffy Clyro and Queens of Storage and Arctic Monkeys to System of a Down, like, within the space of a song, and it sounds, it makes sense. It's yeah. it's mental. They're like the code orange of alt rock. <laughs> yeah, like, I put this album on, like, I, I, I think I told you, I put it on just when it came out, the, the night it came out, and I was just like, what is this? <laughs> like, it was just crazy, just jumping about, like, pretty much other than the code orange, not like any other album I've heard of this year. I've got written down, you said about Infinite Badness, that's a kind of slower song. It's, um, yeah. you know, kind of like eerie, atmospheric notes, like, mm-hmm. but it's really doomy as well. So it could be that one, but it literally could be any of these. We've got Teething, which is, again, very slow, uh, kind of soft and slow, but then it has, like, these synths that come in that sound like the Twilight Sad, like, 80s kind of gothic synths, but then it's, like, dancey drum beats. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. mental. But it works. I, d- I love bands that can do that. I, I don't know if you've listened to them, but Black Peaks, um, it's kind of like that. Oh no, you, you did. You saw Black Peaks with me at Download, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, Download, yeah, that's right. Because um, Fox Joe were supposed to support Black Peaks when they were supposed to be playing, so that just makes right. total sense. You've got An Owl as a Cat with Wings. Again, song titles are crazy. But uh, <laughs> that one again, System of a Down, again, it's like Carnival, you know, like a rum bum bum kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> Who even does that? Who even sits down and goes, we're going to write a song like that? <laughs> Bats for Bleeding, yet again, it's all animals. Just notice that. Bats <laughs> for Bleeding's got kind of like jazzy rhythm, which is like cabaret. Yeah. It's just like, I, when I was sitting writing the notes for this, I was like, this album is even more mental than I thought it originally was. It's like, the instruments just spiral out of control and kind of makes you feel a bit dizzy, but in a good way. But then... I'm pretty sure you'll like this song, the last one on the album. That's uh, obviously oh, yeah. was one. It's probably the album's like focal point because it's a pure sprawling seven-minute track. That's 
Mm. Mental. Yeah, it just I do has, remember liking uh, that one a lot. Yeah, it's very heavy. It's like probably the heaviest that the album gets, but it just takes every genre, every kind of weird genre that it does, and just puts it into one massive song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, it's I, again, it's an album that I think anybody that listens to it, you wouldn't be able to just get off the bat because, you, like you say, you've only listened to it once. But I think mm-hmm. if you listen to it at least two, three, four times, you'll get more and more out of it each time. Yeah, um, and something new. Yeah, it's that kind of really ambitious rock band that you don't really see that much of. I meant to say at the start, they are a band from Bristol, which, again, makes total sense considering so many good bands are from Bristol. Uh, I don't know what it is in the water there, but they're just <laughs> mad experimental bands and they're really good. I just hope that when this all ends, or at least when things get a bit better, that we can hopefully see them live and see how these songs sound like live, because they are still a small band, but they're coming out with songs like this. Yeah. But yeah... It's going to be like up there that's, you know, album of the year, top 10, top 20 lists for me mm. anyway. I don't know if you probably feel quite so strong, but I know you liked it when you listened to it the first time. Yeah, I liked it more than another one we'll have coming up soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also one that might be in my top 20, but we'll, again, we'll get into that. But first, we're going to go to another one of your picks. Or, well, I say it was your pick, but I just kind of suggested it to you because it seems yeah. like your cup of tea. Um, it's a band called Ensif. I never know how to say this name. Ensifirum. I've just uh, become Ensifirum. It's an American tinge to it. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're fin- they're from Finland, so yeah, yeah, they're from- <laughs> they are a folk yeah. metal band from Finland, so I mean just go just go with it. This is the eighth they- album from them, and it's called yep. Thalassic, um, which is apparently ancient Greek for it means relating to the seas. I've which- got that done because I was going to say smart, but that's cool. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> um, apparently it relates to the album's themes, but uh, again, I haven't really listened to this because again, it's not. Not really what I tend to listen to. I don't mind a bit of folk metal here and there, but it's not really what I go for. So I'll probably just hand it over to you. See what you think yeah, about it. Yeah, even on my first listen, like I thought it was like, oh, this is alright, but it's not really for me. But I've actually listened yeah. to it like four or five times since then. I'm started to get like eat like more every time I listen to it because I've looked everywhere and they just describe themselves as Finnish melodic folk metal. But there's some <laughs> definite like power metal here. Yeah, sorry, I've just got written down like folk power Viking yeah. melodic death metal. They've got a bit of everything at least in their back catalog apparently yeah there's uh, I was going to say there's like influences but this band's been around since like 2000 2001 yeah. so if anything bands are probably like, like taken from them yeah. Um, but yeah like, there's like so many like similar other bands like there's times where it sounds like it could be like Aelstorm it could be yeah. I'm on a Marth it could be well even Dragon Force there's a bunch of times I've been like this sounds yeah. like Dragon Force but not like in a bad way it does have I mean, like those cheesy moments kind of like Power Wolf and that but it's kind of to be expected with these kind of albums. yeah you're never going to get a serious album like this like if you're into like really serious kind of metal you're not going to probably gel with this but yeah. at the same time it doesn't seem to be quite as cheesy as the likes of like you know Sabaton or Aelstorm at least modern Aelstorm like it's not like a pirate metal album that's what I thought it was going to be at first because the first yeah. track is the, well the first like proper track after the instrumental is Rum Women Victory which does sound like an Aelstorm <laughs> song and yeah. it does kind of go that sort of power metal way but it never feels like comed- it's trying to be too comedic or anything like that yeah. plus the vocals on it are great because again it's kind of like when we're talking about Traveller that they can go from like a sort of low almost like metalcore kind of growl and then have those sort of more air raid siren kind of vocals whenever they need to as well yeah I was um, going to say it's not like you know some uh, kind of power metal that's very clean vocals and you can hear everything that they're saying uh, like mm-hmm. the, the very little that I listen to this it's like a kind of gruff like more kind of 
almost like you know like the I'm on a Marth kind of like growling vocals yeah for, for quite a bit of it so you don't actually really hear what they're saying yeah um, yeah uh, so it, it's probably is a bit more serious than what it might be but I don't know I, I never really gave it much time I was I was even looking at like um I was trying to get more details on like the band members and it seems like every person in the band has more than like one thing to do which is actually kind of mental like three of them do clean vocals two of them do harsh vocals there's good two guitarists, there's drums, percussion, keyboards, there's just like everything, but just five bad members, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, do you think it sounds like that? Do you think it sounds like there's loads going on when when it's actually happening, or does it not sound like that? Does it just sound like a regular band? No, it never sounds overwhelming. It's kind of like the same way Slipknot has nine members, but listening to them, you would imagine they only have like four or five. You know what I mean? Well, it's maybe that, kind of yeah, it's maybe that they don't do it all the time, like they maybe kind of interchange and folk metal's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I, d- I did love like the intro though, there's, uh, the intro track's called Seafarer's Dream, which is like a three yeah. minute just instrumental track but it genuinely sounds like it could be like the introduction to like a big sort of fantasy movie like I was even getting like Braveheart tinges out of it so yeah. that was pretty impressive and then it just jumps into that <laughs> Rock Women Victory song yeah. um, but uh, but basically yeah most of the tracks do have like they kind of mix up like sort of melodic sections like Defense of the Sample actually starts sounding like a western which is kind of like <laughs> weird considering what the rest of the album's like but then they just throw in like baritones in the background and then it just starts sounding like a Disney musical song it's mental but I kind of love it yeah, that's like the kind of um, the thing that people don't like about power metal and folk metal is how kind of I wouldn't say uh, it's che- it is cheesy, like but how kind of a certain type of cheesy it is. Yeah, it almost sounds like that parody of heavy metal, you know, like Spider yeah. Taps. I think some people get rubbed the wrong way with it, but if yeah. you're having fun, you're having fun, which I kind yeah. of was with this. Like, yeah. genuinely, I, I, was mean, trying to, I was trying to find like a bad thing to say, but there's only like one track that I thought was alright, and even then it was still pretty catchy because they know how to do like a big sort of catchy chorus and a big sort of dance all tunes so well done to them um, kind of comparing it to other bands that you like of the same type would you think that kind of this sits within them I don't really know because it actually sounds closer to like the sort of more comedy ones like Ailstorm or Glory yeah. Hammer but never goes over that kind of edge especially yeah. the Glory Hammer like the vocals are sort of similar and the sounds kind of similar in a lot of places um, so it's, it's like comedy metal but without the comedy Basically. Essentially, yeah. Not to make it yeah. sound like Dura. Yeah, like but... musically, musically it sounds quite similar to those comedy bands, but not, you know, with those lyrics. Plus you get so... like your big power ballad as well. There's one called like One With The Sea, which is oh, basically God. just like the like, sort of slower board. It sounds like, um, what's the song? Where the, where the Wolves Have Gone by Power Wolf. It's kind of like that. Yeah. You know, it doesn't go too far in the sort of power ballad sort of territory, but it works well. Is it really a power ballad dedicated to the sea? Is that that's what it sounds like? I think it. I think it. <laughs> I remember thinking about this because I was listening, listening to the lyrics, and I think it's talking about like dying and hoping that the world goes to peace. But it's not. It's, it's kind of weird. <laughs> it's just like one with the sea. It just sounds like a very like yeah exactly uh, like uh, mad metal imagery there. But yeah. But yeah, um, if, essentially, if you want some like power metal sea shanties, this is probably the album to listen to. I meant to say it earlier, but I think I had this band on my iPod like right at the start of getting into like metal music. I don't know if they're <laughs> still there, but like you know, when you're getting into, are you trying to like listen to folk metal? And it's like, oh, these seem to be some of the biggest, like you know, the biggest guys in the kind of scene. Mm-hmm. But you don't really hear much about them now, which is kind of odd. Eight yeah, albums so first, in. I, first, I, first I'd heard of them when you mentioned them to me. Yeah, I don't know. It's maybe just a like a European thing. Like they might be huge in Europe, but over here it's like laugh we don't like that. Yeah, it probably gets over well of whacking or something like that. Yeah, probably. But yeah, um, that's Insiferum. Again, don't know if I'm saying that right. The last on Metal Blade Records, if you want to check that out. Next one is another metal album, but again, a, a different 
type of male um, that we both actually quite like. What is it with bands with difficult names? It's like Gaiaria. It does but like I've been pronounced it Gaiaria. I think it's Gaiaria maybe. Gaiaria or Gaiaria or something. It's G-A-E-R-E-A and the album's called Limbo. It is their second album. They're from Portugal and they do black metal, I would say, is the most simple way of describing them. But it's definitely more than just kind of, you know, your lo-fi black metal from the 90s sort of thing. Yeah, it's more more of a more of a blackened death metal sound, like kind of yeah. like behemoth, but without as much of like the sort of satanic edge. Yeah, definitely. Expect. Like, when I first heard of this band and I put on the album, I was like, I just instantly thought Behemoth. Like, yeah. the <laughs> latter-day Behemoth. Maybe not the last album of Behemoth, but The Satanist. That kind yeah, of course, course at the head sort of heaviness of that, yeah. Yeah. It's got, uh, like, a kind of, like, low end of the, like, death metal, but, you know, with the kind of black metal blast beats and things like that, just the kind of oppressive sound of black metal, I suppose. <laughs> no, I, d- I did look at, like, the lyrics, because I was like, is this yeah. kind of, like, satanic? But it seems to be more kind of, I don't want to say reality-based, because Satanism could be reality-based, I yeah. guess, but it's, it's more just sort of to do with, like, the sort of human mind and things like that, so it kind of goes into that kind of dark place. Kind of yeah, like that I, album I had, what was the one I had, like, a few months ago? Like, Obsidian Tongue, it was kind of like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, um, it's quite rare, actually, for, when you think about it, for, like, black, even death metal bands to have songs about, or albums about the real world and not something that's really abstract or, yeah. you know, like, hell or... Satan or like just some kind of gory horrible like thing it seems like this probably just about how bad the world is which is fair enough <laughs> yeah because there is the I think it's probably the first and I think it's maybe the only single on the album it's called Null which yeah. um, I was looking at the lyrics for it actually like the, the way some some of the gores described it actually could be like a cannibal corpse sort yeah. of song but it's done in a way to make it sound like it's more about the sort of feeling of depression you know like yeah. you can get it in like a kind of relatable way so yeah. they actually did pretty well with that I'll, I'll give them credit yeah, I mean, you get that sense from even the album cover, which is designed by, I can never remember his name, but it's like Eilreen Cantor. He does a lot of, um, it's very like... Yeah, uh, he did Testaments like his album. Yeah, well. very realistic kind of like oil painting style. He's done a lot like of uh, metal bands, more than you probably think, but he's got a very recognisable art style. He's done the album cover to it and it's like humans, they seem to be like melting or something from what I can remember. Um, so it does kind of suggest that it is about the kind of perils of society rather than you usually say <laughs> Satan black metal nonsense. Yeah, um, exactly. But yeah, again, because I've had not so much time to listen to this, um, I've maybe only listened to it all once, like in its entirety, but I do really like it. Um, it kind of reminds mm. me of the kind of more kind of intricate black metal bands like uh, Skimash and Miss Thrumming. Again, mm. bloody names. Um, <laughs> it's like black metal, but it's atmospheric and it's it adds more than just the kind of really cold mm-hmm. grim kind of underground black metal like from the 90s it's like it's like that like you say the kind of taking the death metal low end kind of really raw aggressive growls and just putting on to that i would need to go back and listen to this again but it did when i did listen to it i thought it sounded really heavy for a start also super dark and it creates like a really grim kind of oppressive mood and power to mm. it, which is quite hard to find nowadays, like in particularly in black metal for me, mm. it never sounds quite so dark and like, you know, low end. Like black metal is always missing a kind of low end sound to it. That's what like mm-hmm. even like bands like the Die Arters Murder are really good at the kind of low end. They're a death metal band, but like yeah. that kind of thing is what I really like with that kind of heavy like side of metal. So 
them putting that in this just kind of stands out to me a wee bit. Um, what's your highlights on this album? Because I know you've listened to it a bit more than I have. Yeah, I've given it a few listens now, and it is, yep. I think it is one of those albums that um, when you listen to the first thing, you will enjoy it. But I think with like multiple listens, you start yeah. like finding stuff that you're like, oh, that's really cool. Like I've noticed how like to sort of like on the first track, which is like an eleven minute song, well, they're able to keep that sort of you know that sort of behemoth kind of black and sound going they're yeah. able to work in like sort of more melodic riffs towards the end to kind of change it up a bit while keeping like the sort of blast beats going in the background for like a yeah. kind of unique sound um first track is the best one i think because um yeah. again i think this band is probably best at doing the actual longer tracks because there's three that go sort of around the 10 minute or over the 10 minute mark mm. but the first one is just brilliant i think um even starts off kind of like behemoth because it sounds very sort of blow your trumpet gabriel yeah. you know like in a slow droning guitar very uh, epic and yeah I think, Uh, like I was kind of saying with the atmosphere and stuff, it seems like if they've got a long song, they can kind of do more with it. They can go, you can take, you know, you can go in different directions as opposed to if it's just like a, you know, four or five minute song. They kind of can just do the one thing and not really do much with it. Mm -hmm. Like Behemoth kind of do that as well, um, although they they kind of perfected the shorter songs that fit and everything in it. But I suppose they're only on their second album, so they could go anywhere from here, really. I just realised, I probably should have mentioned the name of the first track, which is Two Ain. I, d- I just said it was the only oh, yeah. track. Yeah, that's um, fine. But yeah, it does keep up like quite a heavy atmosphere, and even like like I said, the lyrics as well. It kind of is. It's, it's it's like they're questioning what it means to be human and like a, the kind of shitty world that we're kind of living in just now. Yeah. So, and then um, I think there's probably about six or seven minutes into the song, it's kind of stops, and then there's like this weirdly melodic section, like it's really soft guitar tones. It yeah. almost feels like a breath of fresh air, like after the sort of intense. Like first sort of six minutes or so, and then it jumps sort of back to the sort of heavier stuff, yeah. like which would probably get a wall of death in real life. So I'm kind of hoping for that <laughs> when that we eventually get back to normal. Yeah, um, like that's what I like about bands that are kind of like this, um, that take an accuse from Behemoth is that they don't just go heavy all the time. Like they'll kind of you know get a bit softer every now and then. They'll change their pace. They'll get faster. They'll get slower. They'll do something that just makes doesn't just make it sound like it's just constant blast beats in your ears. <laughs> to yeah, the exactly. point where you just kind of get immune to it. And it's you kind of just switch off but yeah um i definitely i will go back to this at some point when it when it doesn't feel like i need quite so heavy you know (laughs) at the moment it feels like things that are this heavy just are not gelling with my brain get a bit a bit too much of that in the outside world um If you're, if you're going to check out this album, the song I'd probably recommend is the song Urge, which is like the shortest track in the album. It's just under five minutes. Yeah. It's essentially just like, just major, just fire and fury all the way through it and just pretty yeah. much just pure death metal all the time. So if you like it, then you're definitely going to like the rest of the album as well. Yeah, and I'll definitely give it another shot. It's just like, obviously, at the moment, I've just had an album come out at the end of last month that's going to be hard for me not to listen to for the rest of the year. And we, it's basically the last month, the last album we'll be covering this month, and you already know what it is. Um, (laughs) And it's probably, it might um, create some interesting discussion because it is the second album from Southampton's Creeper, which is called Sex, Death and the Infinite Void. <laughs> right, so this band initially were a kind of goth punk band um, with the last album they had, Eternity in Your Arms. They were like, you know, kind of AFI meets My Chemical Romance kind of meets Meatloaf, I suppose. But um, we'll get Probably. to that later. Um <laughs> Yeah, I've always liked this band uh, for at least for at least a few years, probably since the EPs that they released. Um, I've seen them a few times. So they got to the end of the Eternity in Your Arms cycle and they 
like quote unquote split up on stage at the end of the album cycle. Ed Q was a teenage girls you know, oh, like I'm, my, my life has ended. But um, <laughs> funnily enough, they hadn't split up because they really like uh, people like David Bowie and just really theatrical stuff, you know, reinventing themselves, blah, blah, blah. So basically, they've come back and they've completely changed what they sound like. And <laughs> if you liked what they did before, you might like this, you might not. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you'd ever listened to this band before. I was basically saying I would do this, but yeah, um, yeah. they've went very different and this album is that I've got so much I've got so many notes written down just because of how different each song on this pretty much feels um so like I need to give some context to this album first just because of how it was made and how important that is to the kind of feel of this album so basically after the kind of split up of the band one of the members the guitarist in particular but they've all kind of been through a lot of stuff but the guitarist in particular ended up getting sectioned and things like that um so yeah they i don't want to go into too much detail because it's quite depressing but if you want to if anybody wants to listen to uh more about it they've done like a podcast series that kind of goes into how the album was made and all the stuff they were going through but it's really it's quite heavy stuff so like only go in if you really want to know um (laughs) because but uh basically they ended up writing this album kind of on separate continents because, again, their guitarist ended up in hospital for months over in the UK, whereas uh, Will, who is the, one of the main songwriters, was in Los Angeles and was writing it over there kind of separately from the guitarist who is his co-partner. Um, so mm. already you have an album that's really oppressive before you even get to how it sounds. It's basically like a British kind of... A British album that has been made in America, that has American influences all over it. Um, it's like Bowie going to America or something like that. You know, it just, we'll get into it. Um, okay. It's probably already obvious that I really, 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 really like this album. And I already know that Ross wasn't keen on it because he didn't finish, he didn't finish the full album. Um, I did <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's fair enough. It's um, it's quite a daunting listen, uh, especially if you're not actually like a fan of the band already and knowing that you like the kind of heavier side of things. Um, yeah. <laughs> getting into like, particularly where you drop off in this album, it, it makes sense. But it, basically, you start off with a kind of My Chemical Romance type thing, you know, kind of continuing on from where they were before with um, Be My End, which is a massive song. I don't know whether you liked that one. Um I don't know if you even remember. You probably just blanked this whole album from your brain, at least, or tried to. <laughs> yeah, I did try. I was playing the PS4 when I was listening yeah, to it, and I just fair. got that I was like, I'm just going to try a different one, because I'm not going to enjoy this. <laughs> yeah, fair. Um, nothing, so, nothing against the album, just not for me. That's yeah, all. so probably just be me talking for, like, at least ten minutes. Um, <laughs> so, like, Be My End is, like, My Chemical Romance, just absolutely huge sounding chorus, like, you know, like, tugging on your, like, t-shirt, like, gothy punk song that the world has been missing, basically, since My Chemical Romance split up. But, yeah, that's kind of what they were doing before, so kind of, it's good that they didn't just stick with that, but they are really, really good at doing it. You have, up next was Born Cold, which was actually the first single that they released, which immediately kind of said that this album was going to be very different from the first one. It kind of has that kind of Brit rock, you know, like David Bowie, pulp, very kind of almost arty kind of rock, very strange, like, you know, 70s, 70s, 80s kind of style to it Mm. that is quite rare to hear now, um, especially for a young band. When 
they first released it, I wasn't initially sure. I was like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. Uh, the production was kind of, again, that kind of more raw, like they're going for a kind of 70s feel to it. So it kind of sounds a bit, you know, not high, you know, like modern. It sounds pretty retro. Mm. It's kind of like, I don't really know. Um, it's got a good chorus, but I'm not sure about it. I don't know where they're going. But thankfully, when they released other singles and when obviously when they released the album, it made a lot more sense. Obviously, the full album has goes through like a kind of story, has a story to it. Kind of, again, total Bowie influence. It's like an alien comes from another planet, falls in love with a girl, and then they have like a doomed lover type thing. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, that's where that comes from. Going into Bowie, again, uh, kind of common theme here, but Cyanide is another single that they released. And again, I wasn't sure about this. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Bowie. But I'm also not the biggest fan of Oasis or Pulp or any of those kind of bands, but Paper do it really well. Or at least they do it really well on this album. It's that kind of, like, you know Oasis. When you hear an Oasis song with a piano in it, you're like, <laughs> it's got like three or four chords and... It kind of is really mid-tempo, and it has, like, you know, it has a certain type of chorus. That's mm. basically what this song is. It's influenced by Bowie, of course. So it's another one where I was like, I don't know. I don't I don't dig this, really. But once again, in the context of the album, it makes sense. And at least I didn't have that problem with the next song, Annabelle, which is like, instantly one of my favourite songs of the year. Like, even when they released this as a single, it was just massive. Ah, <sighs> that chorus so many bands would kill to write a chorus like that i don't know if you remember it but it goes it's just it has these massive like ass like all the way right up until it and i can't i can't wait to see this live it's just going to be i mean actually i did see it live but that was supporting baby metal and that didn't make any sense um (laughs) but yeah that was an odd one when i hear this live at a headline show whenever that'll be it's going to be incredible just I'm finding it hard to even describe how good I find it. I know that the next, I think it's the next song that you dropped out of the album, uh, Paradise. Uh, yeah. yeah, or was it Poison Heart? I, I never remember. Um, that was Paradise, yeah. Yeah, so that's where the album kind of goes. For the next two songs, it goes more kind of going f- away from the British kind of side of things into the kind of American, Americana, country, gothy, gloomy kind of thing. Um, it sounds like a little bit of like Johnny Cash mixed with like the kind of baritone Pete Steele from uh, Typo Negative. Uh, actually kind of reminds me a lot of the Pixies' last al- the album from last year, which gothy, Americana, very chill out. It sounds like driving like down an American highway at night, like on Route 66 or something, or like a seedy part of like Los Angeles, which makes total sense considering that's where the album was actually recorded. Um, it also has a saxophone, so again, that makes me like a song, basically. <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 it's another kind of this type of music isn't something that I would normally go to, but it, it just works. And you, you go on this journey with the album, and it makes it, it's just great. You just get engrossed in it. Um, Poisoned Heart is if you'd have continued on the album, you definitely would have pulled out here because it's a basically a country song. Um, oh god. <laughs> yeah. Um, like again, Cash uh, or even Tom Waits. They're really good at doing it. I don't know how they can just like basically approach any kind of genre and be like, yeah, we're going to do it. It doesn't matter if it works or not. We're just going to try it. Um, they've actually tried doing country before on the last album, but I actually think this one is better because it's, it sounds more authentic, sounds more mature. And they use the two vocalists they've got, Will, as in the main vocalist, and they use the backing vocalist, Hannah. 
and they kind of play off of one another. It's quite subtle, but it's I, I like it. It's good. Um, yeah, by this point, I'm like totally pretty much sold on the album. It doesn't matter what they throw out, um, which is probably it would be a good thing for you because the next song <laughs> is Thorns of Love, which oh, I remember that one. <laughs> yes, because I made you listen to it. Yep. Yeah, I was like, you have to listen to this song because <laughs> because oh my god. <laughs> I'm just. I just want to know what you, I want to know what you thought of this because wow. Just, I mean, just <laughs> cheese essentially. Yeah, right. The fe- so the, fe- the female vocals weren't bad. I remember enjoying that. <laughs> you you picked the cheesiest part of the song to really like. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, basically, this is like a Steinman wet dream. It is like meatloaf. It is meatloaf. If you played this to somebody and did a meatloaf impression over this song, you could convince anybody that this was actually a meatloaf song and it was recorded in bloody 1979 or whatever. It's they don't make music like this anymore. I, most people they can see why like most people are like oh I, could, I hate that that's why but I love it I love it <laughs> like, to your, your Bon Jovi days <laughs> exactly like this is it right I love I love like cheesy power metal power metal no um, power ballads how can you not like it it's uh, yeah, I'm speechless, but um, basically... Yeah. It's, I'm the wrong person to ask. Yeah, it's, it's meatloaf, like, doo-wop, kind of really camp, Rocky Horror-type music, kind of mixed with, like, Queen, like, your fist in the air. It's, honestly, like, if you liked, if you liked this kind of meatloaf stuff back in, back in the day, um, just listen to this because it's incredible, like, that chorus. Uh, like, you know when you hear a chorus and your heart just, like, explodes? You probably get it with some, like, weird power metal band or whatever, but, like, oh my god. Even just, like, especially knowing what this band has been through, like, being able to make a song like this, and then Ian's guitar, like, the guitar solo comes in and it's, like, the biggest thing that you've ever heard. Like, Queen literally would write a guitar, like, Brian May would write a solo like that and it would be, people would worship at his feet. It's just like you say the um, the female vocals are a prominent feature on this album. Like um, it's probably the one thing that I have a slight issue with, um, just because it's like spoken word sections. I believe it's the uh, female vocals from Sisters of Mercy. I'm not 100 percent sure though. Um, <laughs> it's very theater, which you know you'll like or you'll not like. They've had parts of this before, but <laughs> it's very very cheesy. It's basically helping narrate the story, like in the way that Meatloaf does. If you can get on board with Meatloaf doing it, you'll be fine with it here. But it's the fact that it's on what four or five tracks. Um, for me, it's not really quite necessary. The kind of the album describes the story enough on its own. It doesn't really detract from the album that much, but I can see why it would put people off. Saying that though. The rest of the album is still excellent. Not so much singles. It's kind of, what's the word, B-side kind of material. Um, So you've got Mm -hmm. Four Years Ago, which is again another kind of Americana, very slow, gloomy, American highway type thing again. It's got a really good like interplay between the vocals again. It's probably the best use of Joe vocals that I've heard in ages because his vocals, it's like very low. Again, almost like a typo negative, very gothic. And then hers is really like higher pitched and soft and they just play off each other really well. It's one of the songs that is a grower, but a lot of this album kind of is. I, the next song, Napalm Girls, kind of brings back that My Chemical Romance type thing from earlier, but it's a bit darker because the album, the, the story is getting a bit dark. It's getting a bit like, oh, the, the lovers are going to, somebody's going to die, basically. Um, it's a Romeo and Juliet type situation. But it's got like, so 
My Chemical Romance and then into Springsteen, into kind of the Cure kind of 80s reverberated guitars into like The Killers. <laughs> but like, it works. I don't know how to do it, but it works. I don't like The Killers and I like Springsteen, I like My Chemical Romance, but The Killers are <laughs> but yeah, somehow they make it work. Uh, again, one of the best songs on the album. I think the penultimate song is Black Moon, and it's probably my least favourite song on the album, at least initially. Another kind of slower song, it's less memorable, maybe just doesn't have quite as big a hoot. But then he starts like wailing over the chorus again, and you're like, you somehow you can just make somebody going like, ah, sound mm. like really catchy. They're just an amazing band. They It just leads really well into the last song, which is super emotional because it kind of pulls itself out of the story a little bit and it goes into the surroundings of the band as in what's been happening with everything really it's called All My Friends and it's kind of dedicated to Ian the guitarist so it's just a really powerful it's like I don't know how they're going to play this one live because you hear him when he's singing it and you know that way where you can hear somebody's voice cracking Yeah, that you can literally physically hear it cracking it, just in the recording alone like ah, just sitting on the piano basically on his own singing about how he feels like he's messed up and like all his friends are hurting about this thing that's just basically just ah, how can you how <laughs> um yeah it's gonna be they'll they'll probably well play it live as well because it's a single i'm pretty sure it's the last song released on the album yeah it's a really powerful end to an album that's it's so good. Like I'm just like a sucker for this. But yeah. also because I'm trying not to get like too personal about it, but I've really been struggling to enjoy music the same this year just because of what's been happening. Uh, yeah. I think you've been a wee bit the same. But um yeah, um it's really hard to listen to anything that's too you know, like what we're talking about, the black metal albums and stuff. Uh, it's just mm. nothing's really resonating with me, but when I put this one on, it was like music is great. <laughs> I love music. Um which yeah, been kind of missing that um this is basically like a love letter to music it doesn't matter what kind of music you're into you'll probably find something that you can at least find the influences from if mm. not like you know you you i think when you were describing thorns of love i can't remember who you described it as similar yeah. as being but it was somebody completely different from what i had taken off you know like meatloaf but i have seen comparisons to like roy orbison and things like that like i i don't listen to that but it's really really cool how a band can just you know anybody can find an influence on it doesn't matter what you like that's usually a sign of a good band to me um mm. they just they have done something really special and it's a, like an album that really means a lot to me so it's going to be really difficult for another album to top that this year but here's hoping that the end of the year is a bit better <laughs> you know yeah, so, not, just music, to go. Yeah, not just musically but just also generally but this has been a strange month because like i say we've had to go back and you know go back to the start of the year we'll probably have to do that again next month because mm. it's a bit sparse at the moment bands are struggling but yeah we we'll, we will definitely be able to find at least a few albums to talk about and we'll probably go back to some of the ones that we've missed from early in the year because we have we have missed some <laughs> still got a but couple yeah. of big ones with avatar and buffy at least yeah yeah um <laughs> i was going to mention earlier that foxtrot was like filling in the biffy sized hole that was you know <laughs> waiting until the album comes out but we'll have more to say on that next month but yeah if anybody's actually listened to this thanks for listening and we'll see you next time yeah, see you there